The day that Russia invaded Ukraine, we called a man and his niece who live in the western Ukrainian city of Lviv. Now, three weeks into the war, we called him back. Hello. Hello, Mr. Vasil. Yes. Good. We have Mr. Vasil and we have Yulia. Do you remember me? I do. This family is divided by a border now, like so many other Ukrainian families. And they wanted to tell us what they were seeing from both in and outside of Ukraine. And I want as many people as it is possible to hear the truth, what is happening here in our country. Yulia's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, echoed her words on Wednesday. He pleaded with Congress for help. I call on you to do more. New packages of sanctions are needed constantly, every week, until the Russian military machine stops. I'm Noelle King. It's Today Explained. The city where Kuri Vasil and Yulia Lopushinska are from, Lviv, has been luckier than Kiev or Mariupol. The Russians aren't shelling the city, although air raid sirens sound constantly. Mr. Vasil speaks Ukrainian, so Yulia interprets for him over the phone. Where are you now and where is your uncle now? Well, I am in Poland. My children and I, my husband, stayed in Ukraine. And uh, my uncle, you can ask him later. Why don't we turn that question over to him now? Mr. Vasil, where are you now? In Lviv. Your uncle is still in Lviv. Is your uncle safe? What is he seeing? Lviv, right now, for now, for today, Lviv is the least dangerous. So the whole territory of Ukraine is dangerous right now. Russian troops, Russian, he called them terrorists. They are shelling it in chaos, the buildings, schools, hospitals, kindergartens, whatever and whatever and wherever places they want. And uh, it is not that in one place or another, they uh, in a different places, like chaotic. You, do you know what I mean? It sounds like you're saying they never know when the sh- where the shelling is going to hit. That's absolutely yes. You never know where it is going, what building or what place or what city uh, can be next. Do you mind if I ask why you decided to leave? My husband stayed uh, stays home. He is home right now. He helps. He but uh, he wanted us to leave. It's not that he he doesn't th- uh, think that it's not safe, uh, which is not very much, uh, but he, every time he leaves, uh, he thinks that I, my children and I, we are at home, and every time the siren goes off, he he's thinking about us and what we are doing, where we are, and maybe the next shelling be close to our house, you know? Yes. And he is not with us because he cannot stay home all the time with us. That's why he, because he wants to help. He wants to do things. He wants to protect. And that's why um, it was mostly his decision for me to go. I understand. And I'm, I, I would like to know from your uncle, I understand your uncle sounds very brave. I understand that he does not sound afraid, but I wonder how does your uncle plan to protect himself if if Russian troops arrive? Um, 
does he does he have a weapon? Does he have friends who have weapons? How will he how will he protect himself? Uh, when you ask if I have gun, yes, of course I do have. Oh, a lot of people have gun. Oh uh, besides, uh, they they create uh, local protection army. You know. I am brave because I am among brave people, and it helps me to be brave. I'm not special. I am uh, as some other 40 million Ukrainian people. All, all, all people, everybody in Ukraine, and myself too, we uh, say we are sure that we will not uh, live in invaded territories, in occupation. Not a single Ukrainian is not even thinking about living in a slavery. There is only one variant to win or there will be no Ukraine otherwise. What do you think when you hear your uncle say, we will never back down? Do you agree that that's what should happen? I I I I do. You know, it's you very I cry a lot. Uh it's difficult. I am not in Ukraine, but my heart is there every single morning. You know, my my morning does not start with uh, some people say coffee, tea, breakfast. It starts with the news. I turn it on and I want to see what is happening, what is going on and I personally, I would not uh, live in an occupied territory. No. I'm going to ask your your uncle if he could just give me a little bit of a description. I just want to know what are his circumstances of how he is living and is he okay? Okay. I think at some point it is not good, but uh, when people in Lviv, when they hear the sirens, when it goes off, uh, no, uh, practically nobody goes to the bomb shelter because, for example, last night we had uh, seven hours straight um, sirens go off and on and off. So it means that the whole night we had to, to spend in the bomb shelter. And plus, during the day, it is the situation was the same. It means that we will be all paralyzed. We will not do anything. We will not be able to help our army, to help people who come from the eastern part of Ukraine. We will, we will, we will not be able to do anything. It sounds to me like Mr. Vasil is not going to leave Lviv. It doesn't matter what happens. He's going to stay. Is that correct? Чи вона правильно зрозуміла те, що я перекладала? Хочу перепитати, що ви не збираєтеся нікуди зі Львова їхати? Nobody is going to go anywhere. Uh, everybody stays not only in Lviv but in Kyiv also. But what my uncle also said is that um, what men uh, do a lot, they try to protect their families, their wives and uh, children. So they try to 
take them away to, well, because there are no very much safe places, but they try to take them to the most safe, to the safest place they can, or sometimes to uh, send uh, them abroad. But men, uh, they stay in Ukraine uh, and they are ready to fight. Uh, what was very surprising to me that two days ago, when I uh, was helping some uh, soldiers to go to, to fight uh, to Kyiv, and they were going to go by train, uh, I what, what I thought is that uh, the train will come from Kyiv, the train will come full of um, women and children, and then it will be easy to go to Kyiv, and the train will be half or even not even half will be empty and then we, we can easily go uh, but what turned out that uh, women and uh, children when they got off the train then in a few minutes the train will full, was full of men ready to go to Kyiv to the capital and fight. Support for the show today comes from Mint Mobile. There's lots of ways to spend $15. Like, I don't know, what would I spend $15? Maybe like a really good burrito and a drink? Because I think $15 for just the burrito would be a little steep, but with a drink, you know? Probably about that. Anyway, you could also put your $15 towards a new phone plan from guess who? Mint Mobile. By switching to Mint Mobile, you could say goodbye to an overpriced monthly plan or unexpected fees. How much does your cell phone plan cost? Probably not $15. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, you can go to mintmobile.com slash explained. That is mintmobile.com slash explained. 
you can cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash explained if they really want me to say that. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month, obviously. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Hello, Igor. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. It's charging, but, you know, if it dies, um, just call me back. Igor Kosov is another person we talked to on the day that Russia invaded Ukraine. I-G-O-R-K-O-S-S-O-V. Uh, I'm a journalist with the Kiev Independent. And where are you now, Igor? I'm in uh, Kiev. What's it like in Kiev? What's happening there now? Half the city's gone. It's like... Four million people, 3.5-ish. Now there's like less than 2 million left. Uh, They're evacuated. Uh, The city's real empty. Um, Nobody's outside. It's kind of spooky. It's like horror film spooky. But uh, some people are still walking around. Major supermarkets are open for food. Pharmacies are open, but there are lines. You got to stand in and uh, you're not always likely to get your meds. Every couple of hours, we get air raid alert or shelling alert, you know, a, a siren. And then once in a while, and depending on the neighborhood, you, you hear a lot of thunder of artillery or rockets, uh, largely towards the western part of the city, where there are uh, obviously Russian forces in the western and nor- northwestern suburbs um, fighting against the Ukrainian forces. That's about it. When the air raid sirens sound, what do you do? Do you have someplace safe to go? I have a lot of work. I, I mostly stay in my apartment. I got my windows taped up. Um, I got my mattress in the hallway. Uh, there are multiple rooms. I want to say there's like multiple walls between me and the windows, so I'm pretty safe. Uh, if anything, uh, I also can go downstairs and go to a not far away. There's a train station. Train stations in Kiev are uh, famously deep, hmm. so it's very safe there. Um, although the number of people taking shelter in train stations has come down somewhat from the early days from what I've seen. Igor, I, I apologize for this question if it comes off as naive, but may I ask, how are you feeling? Um, you know, it varies. I It, it fluctuates. I'm, normally I'm okay. Sometimes I am pretty unhappy about the civilian casualties that are going on everywhere. I'm really upset about Mariupol sometimes, as Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard, there's uh, close to 2,500 deaths there. I am sometimes feeling angry. I am sometimes feeling uh, inspired by some of the people I talk to, some of the interviews I do. Sometimes I'm feeling a little discouraged about, you know, again, the deaths and destruction and the uh, but overall, I'm maintaining a I'm maintaining the faith that Ukraine will hold because Russia's shown that it's not doing very well. And uh, despite it killing all these civilians, I'm hoping that uh, uh, those deaths aren't going to escalate significantly and that uh, Russian forces will be ground to a halt and destroyed uh, before that happens. Igor, we hope to understand why Russia isn't doing well. We know that there's this very long convoy trying to encircle Kyiv. What's happening? Why are the Russians stuck? And how are Ukrainians along the length of that convoy 
responding to to the men in those tanks? I can't really tell you that because I'm not a Russia defense expert. Fair enough. I can't say exactly why they've decided to do things this way. Um, I can say that um, the Russians have uh, shown some baffling tactics. They advance through the open in very tightly packed columns, making them excellent targets for uh, either uh, anti-tank weapons carried by infantry or artillery hits or drone strikes. Uh, They've presented very good targets. They've um, really screwed up their logistics. Hmm. Their destroyed vehicles have gotten stuck in giant traffic jams for uh, tens of kilometers. The Russians have just been acting as a very ineffectively, despite threatening to be this overwhelming force. And uh, I don't know if this is because uh, the commanders in Russia have been told what they want to hear instead of what's actually happening. I, I suspect that's part of it. I suspect that this happens all the way at the top and uh, people just blow sunshine up the ass of their commanding officers a lot. Uh, I'm guessing that's part of it. I don't know for sure why they're just moving and maneuvering so poorly and presenting such, uh, such juicy targets for Ukrainian weapons. Now, the, the, the column thing, that's a little bit outdated information. That column has the supplies have been distributed to the uh, forces that are massing around Kiev. And that column has somewhat been dispersed and uh, placed throughout the forests and the roads in preparation for an attack on Kiev. Uh, so far, we haven't seen a massive push uh, because we believe uh, we at the Kiev Post, that is, believe that we uh, they don't have sufficient strength yet. But that giant traffic jam of a convoy that's been warned about, that's kind of cleared out and dispersed and is sort of regrouping and preparing to move. Okay. As for what the Ukrainians are doing, the Ukrainian forces have been hitting them hard. Uh, Ukrainian artillery can be heard uh, working very often throughout the night, throughout the day, on the outskirts, on the western outskirts of Kiev constantly getting reports of vehicles being uh, shot. There were a couple of uh, heavy firefights uh, between uh, Ukrainian and Russian infantry. So there are constant battles going on. And uh, as Russians try to find a position or try to find an angle for an attack, while Ukrainian forces hold them off. From the beginning, Russia has said, Vladimir Putin has said he would not target civilians. We know from the beginning that that has not been true. But I wonder, as Russia has been frustrated militarily, have the attacks on civilians gotten worse? What are you seeing? Yeah, I'm seeing that they have gotten worse. I'm seeing that Russia, uh, when its uh, blitz didn't work, Russia reverted back to its doctrinal tactics of using heavy artillery. Uh, to just pound uh, cities, pound civilian targets. I, I think what I'm seeing is that they're trying to demoralize. They're trying to destroy the spirit of the Ukrainians. They're trying to make them want to sue for peace. They're constantly hitting civilian targets with rockets, with artillery, with airstrikes all over Ukraine. It's especially heavy in the south and east uh You've seen what happened to Kharkiv, you've seen what happened to Mariupol, but it's also happening near Kiev, as obviously multiple times when people tried to flee from the suburban towns west and northwest of Kiev, Russians have attacked these corridors, famously killing women and children with mortars, with other indirect fire weapons, and sometimes even with direct fire weapons. 
Igor, the last time we spoke on the day that Russia invaded Ukraine, I asked you if you had any hopes for a diplomatic solution. And uh, you basically laughed at me um, and said, no, you did not. (laughs) I wonder, um, we hear about talks between Russia and Ukraine, indirect talks, at times direct talks. As this grinds on, as Russia seems unable to finish this war quickly, which is what it wanted, are you any more optimistic that diplomacy might work here, that some of these talks might come through? I'm not sure, because um, uh, once again, this is Russia. All of this uh, is being directed by Vladimir Putin, and uh, he is not the sort of guy he, I don't think, even if he was the sort of guy to back down, he can't really afford to. He's committed He's taken huge economic damage. He's thrown Russia into this sort of, you know, in this new kind of narrative of but, uh, we're trying to re- reclaim the great empire of the Rus sort of thing. Uh, we are trying to uh, restore the the unity of one people. And uh, I don't think he can afford to back down. Um, and I think that any negotiations with Russia will involve Russia asking unacceptable concessions from Ukraine. And uh, I would like to hope, and I also believe, that uh, Ukraine would just find a lot of these uh, Russia's demands, which I haven't seen the latest ones, but this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that Ukraine would find the majority of Russia's demands to be unacceptable. And Russia would find the majority of Ukraine's demands to be unacceptable. So while these talks are going on, I hope that this will prevent more civilian deaths, but um, based on who rules Russia and how, you know, their entire modus operandi, I don't know if the if the two sides will be able to come to something that both of them are willing to accept. Igor, what does Ukraine need now? What does it need most? What will it need down the line? Um, Ukraine needs uh, weapons. Obviously, it needs humanitarian support. It needs vehicles. Uh, it needs uh, ambulances. It needs anti-aircraft, uh, anti-rocket, uh, uh, air defense systems. Basically, there is that hope about uh, the jets. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see them. Ukraine needs some sort of clear commitment for um, clear messages. You know when it's going to be accepted into the EU and whether or not it's going to be accepted into NATO. And also, uh, Ukraine needs for the world to maybe try to hurry up and wean itself off faster from Russian gas and oil, because that's what sustains Russia right now. It's six o'clock in Kiev right now. What are your plans? Are you going to stay inside tonight? Uh, yeah, that's right. I'm at this point. It's two hours to curfew. My fridge is pretty much stocked, and. Uh, I'm going to continue working on a logistics story about the uh, logistics of bringing in uh, food and produce and medicine for uh, Kiev residents. And I'm also going to be working on a couple of other stories, transcribing interviews. I've got a really great uh, feature coming up that I'm really excited about. And uh, after I'm done with that, I'm just going to relax and maybe, I don't know, watch some old shows. And then sleep on the mattress in the hallway. Exactly. It's a very nice mattress. Thank you, Igor. Sincerely, stay safe. Thanks. Bye. Today's show was produced by Victoria Chamberlain, edited by Matthew Collette, engineered by Afim Shapiro, and fact-checked by Laura Bullard. I'm Noel King. This is Today Explained.